0: Hey, thanks for joining us online. If you just joined us uh, and you're new around here, welcome. We'd love to know who you are just so we can help pastor you down the road. And if you call Whitewater home, we would just encourage you to continue to give generously online. You can find links to those two things in the notes section or in the comments section. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy the rest of the service. Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening, and welcome to church today. I am so glad you're here um, to start off this new series on Jonah. Now, uh, one of the daunting things about being a preacher and a pastor that really weighs heavy on your shoulders a lot, I'm just going to let you in on my inner life here, is that um, every single week I'm expected to speak on behalf of God. Uh, and i can barely speak american much less like on behalf of god like every day you get asked questions at a pa- as a pastor about you know what does god think about this or what does jesus think about this or what does the bible have to say about this and in my reflections on the questions that i get asked day in and day out it's it's always pretty fascinating because i i see that they kind of fluctuate depending on the person who's asking they fluctuate depending on their age they fluctuate depending on their cultural background maybe the color of their skin they fluctuate based on their gender they fluctuate based on their cu- their uh, their uh, like political leanings, they fluctuate based on the the topics that are cultural hot topics. Questions are always coming at you from every different angle. And so you kind of got to stay on your toes as a a pastor and a preacher. Now, what I've noticed though, is that there is one question. Uh, One question in particular though, that does not fluctuate. It's perhaps the most popular question I get asked as a preacher. And no matter if they're young or old, no matter if they're black or white, no matter if they're man or woman, Democrat or Republican, no matter what cultural hot topics are out there, this question does not discriminate. It like, transcends demographics, and I find myself getting it almost every single week. Now, You know what that question is? It's probably one that you are familiar with. It's this, uh, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? or said in Christian terms, what's God's will for me and God's will for my life? Now, you know what I think? I think you're actually hardwired to ask that question. I think that the human heart and the human soul is actually hardwired to go seek that question. And if you look at at human beings from the time that they're very young to the time they're very old, you'll see this. Like even when you have little kids from the very beginning, they're hardwired to ask questions like why, you know, how? No, No kid will ever drive you crazy asking you what? When, where, no kid will ask you, daddy, uh, when should I go to the potty? Okay, (laughs) no no, no like kid kid will drive you crazy by asking you, you mommy, what should I eat for for dinner in order to be a strong boy? But they're constantly asking you why. I have a four year old right now and you know what he's really interested in? He's really interested in what am I going to be when I grow up? And that's a rendition of the purpose question. I just asked him the other day, I was like, what are you gonna be when you grow up, Palmer? And he was like, a lifeguard. Like, oh That's cool, you know, you're also probably going to be living in the basement until you're 40, but that's what he wants to be right now. Now, as you get older, what's interesting is that the purpose question doesn't get turned down, it actually gets turned up and becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Have you noticed that as folks move into late teens, early 20s, they enter into this interesting season of life where they start forming their identity for themselves. They start saying things like, you know what? I don't care what mom says. I don't care what dad says. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what sometimes common sense or the law says. I've got to figure out life for me. I've got to figure out who am I? Why am I here? What ought I be doing with my life? And so they push back against some of the barriers. Uh, One parenting expert which I always laugh when somebody's like, I'm a parenting expert, I'm like, sure you are. But one one parenting uh, expert was like, you know what this identity formation season uh, is like? It's like building a fence. It's like building a fence in your backyard. You see, what you do as a parent is you build this fence in the backyard and every post on the fence represents a virtue or a belief or a value that you wanna instill in your kid's life. Now, when your kids are young, they don't even notice the fence. They just play in the yard, right? But as they get older, they start to notice the fence. As they get older, they start kind of like testing some of the posts. Eventually they get their license and they drive straight through the fence, right? Like like eventually they get old enough to where they can climb over the fence and back into the fence whenever they want to. And eventually they go move into their own house and they've got to build their own fence. And what your hope is as a parent is that they'll build a fence as close as possible to the one you built for them when they can build their own. It's this amazing season of identity formation that our young people are going through. And you know what I believe is under that in their teen years, in their early 20s? It's the question of purpose. It's a question of, what's God's will for my life? Who is he calling me to be? Now, again, as you move into your 20s, your 30s, it just gets turned up even louder and louder. And by the time you hit your midlife, it's basically screaming at you. Okay, I believe that it's the purpose question that's actually underneath what we all call the midlife crisis. You know what the midlife crisis is, right? Okay, so so let me explain it like this. And no offense, um, you know I'm approaching midlife, but but you know you know what I believe like your your midlife years should be called. They should be called your flatline years because it's just kind of like flatline. Okay, when you're younger, like in your teens and twenties, things are constantly changing. Those should be called your transition years, right? Because it's just like. Things are coming at you new every single day. You don't even hardly have time to think about purpose because it's like, oh, beep, driver's license, beep, senior year, beep, college, beep, graduate, beep, job, beep, girl, beep, you know, beep, house, beep, pet, you know, beep, promotion, right? it's, Things are just constantly changing. But then all of a sudden you get into like your late 30s, your early 40s and things start slowing down. It's like, beep, your job starts looking the same. You've been in it for 15 years now. And so before you know it, it's just like beep, job. You know, or you've been married for 10 years and you're past the honeymoon phase. So it's like married, ooh, a vacation, beep, job, right now. Now here's the interesting thing. You know what people do at midlife when they kind of approach this sort of like crisis of, of purpose? They go through a midlife crisis and they try to go back and recreate the transition years of their life. I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to get a new husband. And guess what? You're just dealing with the symptoms. You see, you know what your heart's really crying out for? Your heart's really not crying out for a new car. It's not crying out for plastic surgery. Your heart's crying out for purpose. For purpose. For purpose and you'd be far better off if you just answered the question. So I wonder today, have you ever answered the question? What's my purpose? What's God's will for me? If you find yourself today, no matter what your age is, wondering the answer to that question, here's what I would assure you of. You actually know. You know. If you've been a Christian more than a month, if you've been at this church more than a month, then I would encourage you with this, you actually know exactly what God wants you to do with your life, because this healthy church here constantly, constantly teaches it to you. So you know what the problem is for most of us when it comes to purpose? It's not actually figuring out what God's purpose is, it's doing it. Because I'm gonna tell you what, I believe that you know. And every single one of us is faced with a far more important question than this, knowing what our purpose is. It's will I run from it or will I run toward it? Now today, I wanna tell you the story, a story that you're probably familiar with of a man who ran from God's will for his life. And I think we can learn a lot about purpose and what it might look like in our own lives from his story. It's the story of Jonah. Pick up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The scriptures say, uh, one day, long ago, uh, God's word came to Jonah, Amethyst's son. Up on your feet, God said, and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, I want you to preach to them because they're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. Now, pause real quick, and ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to God, our God, the God of purpose, the God who clearly gives Jonah a purpose, and the God who clearly gives you and I a purpose. Now, can you throw that slide back up there real quick, the last verse, the previous one? Uh, Yeah, Uh, check this out. Did you see what the purpose he gave him was? He says, I want you to go to the lost in Nineveh, and I want you to preach to them, And you know what I would suggest to you? Every single one of us in this room who call ourselves a follower of Jesus, our purpose is not much different than that. Now I'm getting ahead of myself, okay? uh, You know what I think we should start today? I think we should start with a definition for purpose. Because this verse actually sort of points us to it. Some of you in the room like immediately tuned out when I said the word purpose, because you think purpose is like this nebulous sort of fuzzy concept where it's like, oh, he's talking about purpose. Like it, like it's, just, it's for the pastors and the philosophers out there, but it's not for me, the practical everyday person. But I would suggest to you that it is very practical if you just wrap your mind around the simple definition for it. So here's a simple definition for it according to dictionary.com. Definition of purpose is this. It's the reason for which something or anything exists. Uh, so let me ask you a question. What is this? It's a water bottle. And for what reason does a water bottle exist? Told to water so I can hydrate myself. I got something in my pocket here. Uh, what's this? That's right, it's a pen. And for what reason does a pen exist? You guys are doing great. Okay. Um, now, I brought something from home today. It was the best purchase I've ever made. I purchased it in 2006 for $15 and still using it. What is this? It is a toaster. And for what reason does a toaster exist? To toast bread. All right, this is clearly an above average audience. So let me, let me go a little bit further. All right. I'm gonna show you a picture here. Uh, This is a picture, uh, can you throw up there, of a mosquito. And let me ask you, for what reason does a mosquito exist? Mm, Okay, we've got lots of ideas out there. Somebody, some people are just laughing (laughs) like, okay. Now, now here's the deal, we don't really know. This is a bone I have to pick with God someday because we don't really know, but I do have a theory. You know what my theory is? Mosquitoes exist to give us a glimpse of hell. (laughs) That's why they exist. I mean, because literally when a mosquito bites you, you're like, what the, you know? And that's actually a theologically accurate statement when you say that, because it's like, seriously, God's like, yep, that's what it's gonna be like. Okay, anyways, so, so what's my point with this? Well, my point is, is that whenever we ask, what's the purpose of that thing? What we're really asking is, for what reason does that exist? And so when we ask, hey, what's my purpose? What we're really asking of ourselves is for what reason do I exist? Now, God told Jonah very clearly the reason for his existence, his will for him in the next season of his life. And back to that, I would suggest to you that ours is not far off of that. See, okay, God told Jonah to preach, and you know what you and I are called to do? Preach. You didn't know this today, but you're a preacher, congratulations, you're a part of the priesthood of all believers, Cong- welcome, welcome, join the gang. Does anybody want the mic? Cause I'll give you the mic today. You're a preacher and your life, not just your words, but your life is supposed to be a sermon of the life and the love that can be found in our great God. Jesus says it like this once in uh, Matthew chapter 22, uh, I think it's verse 37, a lawyer comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? and the law. And she says, well, I've got two for you here today. The first one is to love, love who? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment. And a second one is equally important. Love, love who? Your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments, is what Jesus says. Now, do you see what Jesus is getting at here? He says, you've got one commandment, but two targets. Love is the commandment and God and others are your targets. You know what I think Jesus might say to us? Jesus might say to us, you know what a better question is than what is my purpose? Who is my purpose? Because I've given you two who's to love. Now, interestingly enough, if love God is one A and love others is one B, where does love me fall on that list? Well, love me can be no higher than number three. Right? And that's our purpose. Now, This points us to a second aspect of purpose that I wanna lay out for you. We've seen the definition of it. Now I wanna show you the deception of purpose because this always catches people off guard. And ultimately, this is why so many people fail to ever truly embrace their purpose in life. Here's the deception of purpose, the twist, the fine print. Purpose actually means giving yourself to something bigger than yourself that isn't about yourself. And that is hard for the human being to do. Uh, Rick Warren wrote a best-selling book called Purpose Driven Lives, pastor in California. Anybody ever read it, read read that book before? Bestseller for years. I assume several of you have. You know what the first four words of the book are? It's not about me. And that sums up purpose in a nutshell for you. At least on God's terms, at least on Jesus' terms. Maybe I could say the the deception of purpose to you like this. A little bit different for you. You can go to the next slide. Uh, If you're going to really grasp purpose, you've got to understand that you have to put the me in the means, not the end. In other words, you have to make yourself a means to some greater end. That's in the definition of purpose. You exist for a reason beyond you. And again, that's so hard for human beings to do because at the end of the day, we want to discover purpose for me, for my fulfillment, for my happiness, so that I can maximize my life. Me, 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 me. But as long as you are pursuing me and you don't put the me in the means, you will never find the purpose that you are looking for. Now, are you still with me on this? Okay, now here's the deal. I know what some of your pushback is at this point, because I've heard it before. You're like, okay, Tyler, I get it. You know, purpose is to love. My life's a sermon. Great, good job. But, But here's what frustrates me. Why can't God just come and be more specific with me like he was with Jonah? He was so specific. Like he told him like, who, when, where? Like, just like, why can't he do that? Why can't he show up in a pillar of fire, a cloud of smoke, however he showed up to Jonah, in a dream, on a fortune cookie? I don't care. Just why can't he just show up and tell me? If he would just show up and give me specific instructions, I would do it. Oh, really? Would you? You see, I think, I think that's kind of a cop-out. I do. I think it's kind of a cop-out. Let me explain it to you like this. There's a big difference. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Between God's specific will for you and God's common will for all. Big difference. Now what many of us desire is God's specific will for us. right? I wanna know exactly what God wants for me, like the intersection of my passion, talents, and the needs in my community today. Just show me God, tell me God, send me God. Here's the only problem with God's specific will for you though. Only problem is that you can talk to people who are old and they'll tell you that only shows up a few times in your life. I'll say, I followed God my entire life. There may be only four or five times in my life. I can count on one hand how many times God showed up and gave me a clear calling. It just doesn't happen much. It's a reality of human life. Here's what else is a reality. So few of us are any good at all at listening to God anyways. You wanna know why some of us will never hear God's specific will for us? Because we never stop to listen. You gotta have a prayer life. You gotta be diving into the scripture, surrounding yourself with iron that will sharpen iron here in the church if you actually want to hear from God. It's not magic. No, no wonder you don't know God's specific will for you. We're not good listeners. I'm not a good listener either. Now, while we may not know God's specific will for us, though, here's what we know for sure. You know today God's common will for everyone. Let there be no doubt. You know that Jesus has called you to love. You know the targets to whom he's called you to love. And you don't need to pray about that. You don't need to pray about what God has already called you to do. And here's what I might suggest to you. I might suggest to you today that you wouldn't even like God's specific will for you if you're not willing to lean into His common will for everyone today. You wouldn't even like it. What makes you think you would like God's specific will for you if you can't lean into this now? Because I can guarantee you this will be built on this. And if you want to get clear on this, you need to start taking action on this. Just my humble two cents. So, okay, maybe I can say it like this. You don't need God to speak to you because you've already got his word. So start acting on it, start living with it. Start running towards his purposes and maybe his specific purposes will become clearer. Now, Jonah didn't run towards though. He got God's, he got God's specific will for him and it scared to live in daylights out of him and he ran in the opposite direction. So pick up in Jonah chapter one, verse three. I said, uh, once, once Jonah heard from, from God, he got up and went the exact opposite direction. Like geographically, it is the opposite direction towards Tarshish, uh, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare. He went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could get. Now, in verse one and two, we saw the definition and deception of purpose, right? In verse three, what, what we're revealed to here by the story of jo- Jonah is the choice And the cost of purpose. Okay, and you know what the choice of purpose is? You have one. Jonah had a choice. He got God's will for his life, and then he had a choice as to whether or not he wanted to act on it. Now, this is what makes you different than a pen, because guess what? The pen doesn't have a choice. It pins. Okay? It can't choose what it's going to do with its life, but you can. You can't. Human beings get to choose. Makes us unique. And I promise you this, all of us choose. Whether you you choose your purpose in life intentionally or whether you just drift through life and choose your life or choose your purpose in life accidentally, you've chosen a purpose. Your money, your time, your energy, your relationships, they're heading in a certain direction. You are bowing before and worshiping some God. My question for you is it the most high God or is it some other God? Now, Jonah tried to run away from God in the opposite direction. And chapter one doesn't comment very much on why he did it or his motivations. But I think if you do a little bit of uh, historical research, you can actually get kind of clear on why he would do that. If you just teach yourself about one, Nineveh, and two, Jonah, you, you put the pieces together fast. Does anybody know anything about Nineveh? Okay, so Nineveh was the capital of Assyria at the time. Uh, and this takes place sometime around like 750 BC or so, give or take a few years. Now, Assyria was the evil empire during that time period. They were the evil oppressive empire that had the people of Israel under their oppressive thumb. Eventually in 722 BC, a little after Jonah, Assyria would sweep down into Israel and take out 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel, just wipe them off the face of the planet earth. That's who they were. On top of that, Israel, or excuse me, uh, Assyria was a pagan nation. And do you know how many prophets God had called to go minister to a pagan nation before this moment with Jonah? Zero. At least according to the scriptures, we have zero accounts of this. So this was an unprecedented uh, mission. Now, when I say that Assyria was a pagan nation, you gotta know, they were a violent, brutal place. If you read the military history of Assyria, what you'll see is that it, The pages are littered with death and destruction, violence, brutality, decapitations and dismemberments, torture. Whether you were a man, a woman, or child, it didn't matter. If you survived the Assyrian army, you ended up in slavery anyway, so you might as well die. One historian calls Assyria a terrorist state, and rightfully so. And that's who Jonah was called to? He was called to preach to the terrorists, the evil oppressors. No wonder he ran in the opposite direction. Now, here's something else you need to know about Jonah. Jonah wasn't your run-of-the-mill everyday holy prophet. He had some serious internal struggles going on. Just read the whole story. The whole time, he liked, he's struggling internally. See, uh, Jonah doesn't actually tell us a whole lot about its main character, Jonah. But if you read other passages in scripture, you get a glimpse of who he was. In 2 Kings chapter, uh, is it 14 or 24? I can't remember, it's 14 or 24, if you're taking notes. We go to one of those two. It tells us that Jonah was actually an overly zealous, overly patriotic, overly nationalistic member of the people of Israel. See, he worked for King Jeroboam II. And he actually supported Jeroboam's overly aggressive military policy that was clearly unjust and unfaithful. There were other prophets alive during Jonah's time like Amos and Hosea, and they spoke against Jeroboam, but not Jonah, he was complicit. He had a zealous Israel first mindset. And so when God calls him, the prejudicial bigot to go to the people he hated and feared the most and to preach to them about the most high God, no wonder he ran in the opposite direction. Now, this points us to the next aspect of purpose that I want to introduce you to. And you can't miss this one because this one is of vital importance. It points us to the cost of purpose. The cost of purpose. you know what Jonah figured out was the cost of purpose? Everything. everything, everything, everything. It would cost Jonah all of his commitments and all of his comforts. It would cost Jonah all of his pride and all of his prejudice. It would cost Jonah perhaps his very life. He had to be willing to lay down everything to step into the will of God. I was reflecting on this passage this past week and I think there were three internal struggles of the heart that Jonah had to go through before he decided to run. Three questions that he had to ask himself that I think are so practical to us as citizens of the United States of America today. Here's the first cost question he had to ask himself. First, is purpose more important to me? than my comfort. Because God called him out of his comfort zone into the discomfort zone, right? He called him out of that which was normal and out of that which was known and into a foreign land. He called him away from his family, away from his stuff, away from his power base. Jonah was one of the trusted voices of the king. I'll go ahead and tell you this. When Jonah told everyone what God was calling him to do, I guarantee you people would have shunned him on his way out And then Jonah would have expected to come back in a body bag on the way back in. And yet that was the cost of purpose. God basically said, you can either give everything for me or you can maintain your comfort. It's it's really up to you. Thy will be done or my will be done. Honestly, it's up to you. Now, citizens of the United States of America today, you know what I believe one of our number one idols is? False gods. It's the false god of comfort. Nothing squeezes the life and the potential out of the American church more than our hunger for comfort. And you do worship comfort, I do too. Think about where your money goes. I would venture to say most of us in this room give more money to the God of comfort than we do the Most High God. Think about your vacations, your cars, your houses, your discretionary spending, your entertainment budget, your 401K. we give more time to the God of comfort? Think about your weekend schedules, what you do with your evenings. We've shaped our churches in America around comfort today. With the consumer mindset that so many Christians have taken, many of us allow our prayer life to be prayed to the God of comfort as we ask him to bless us and heal us rather than asking him to show us his radical uncomfortable will for our lives. Nothing has handcuffed the potential of the American church more than comfort. And so Jonah was faced with this question, and I think we are too, you tell me. Is my purpose more important to me than my comfort? Here's another question I think he was faced with. Uh, Is my purpose more important to me than my certainty? Than my certainty. When Jonah heard God's plan, know what Jonah thought? He thought there is no rational reason, why there there is no emotional reason why I should go to the Ninevites in Assyria. It made no rational or emotional sense to him. One pastor wrote this once. He said, Jonah couldn't come up with a good reason as to why God would send him to the Ninevites. And so Jonah assumed there was no good reason that God sent him to the Ninevites. He doubted the justice, the wisdom, and the sovereignty of God of God he thought he knew better now you know what I believe church I believe that our willingness to trust in God even when it doesn't make sense or we're uncertain our willingness to trust in God is our declaration to the world of how trustworthy he is and no wonder the world doesn't come to trust in him because so few of us are willing to go the last 10% and trust in him Now here's the last question. The last question I think Jonah was supposed with is this, is purpose more important to me than my country? Than my country? Remember he was an overly zealous, overly patriotic, nationalistic uh, member of the people of Israel, leader. And in this moment God actually calls him to take his allegiance to his country and make it secondary to his allegiance to the kingdom of God. What a powerful question in our country today for us to consider. In a day and age where our country becomes increasingly divided along cultural, racial, ethnic, political lines, in a day and age where our country's highest leaders and candidates continue to just pull that gap further apart, in a day and age where I see American Christians praying more for the prosperity of America rather than the prosperity of the kingdom, Of God, I think it's important for us to remind ourselves that we are a new people, y'all. We are a counter-culture, a counter-community. Like there's there is no racism here. There's no nationalism here. There's no ethnocentrism here. There's no supremacy of any sort other than the supremacy of our King Jesus. And into the world our King has sent us. Because into the world he was sent. To the broken, he has sent us because to the broken, he was sent. To the lost, he has sent us because to the lost, he was sent. To the sick, he has sent us because healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do, that's Jesus' words himself. And so to the sick, he was sent. Into the world, he sent us and into the church, he saved us. Understand, when you repent and are baptized, that's not just a personal salvation decision, that's a community formation decision. You have decided to become a part of a larger community that is called the church. That's a family. That's united by blood. Whose blood? Jesus's blood, which should course deeper in your veins than any other. We now fly a common banner, y'all. We wage a common peace. We're in the same army. We share the same spirit inside of us. So no matter what your sin history is, no matter what your country of origin, your language of origin, no matter the color of your skin. Like you are my brother, brown man. You are my sister, black woman. You are a part of my family if you have the spirit of God inside of you, period. Because we are brothers and sisters, we've been forged, adopted into this family by our gracious most high God. And that allegiance is always primary. And every other allegiance pales in comparison to that. See, here's the reality y'all. In 10 billion years from now, when we're in heaven, The kingdom of America will no longer exist. It won't. But the one true king, the king of kings and lord of lords, will. And your relationship with Jesus and with his people will be all that matters then. And so if it's all that will matter then, it's all that should matter today. Now look, I know it feels like like I'm throwing body blows here. It hurts me too. I am an imperfect man up here preaching this to you, but you need to hear it. You need to hear the cost of purpose. It will cost you all of your commitments. It will cost you all of your comfort. It will cost you sometimes your certainty. It will cost you everything. But you know what it delivers in return? Everything. Everything you've been looking for your entire life. Now, Jonah figures that out eventually, but it takes uh, a set of supernatural circumstances for that to happen. So pick back up in verse four as we conclude here. Jonah ran far away from God as good. So uh, God sent a huge storm at sea and the waves were towering. The ship was about to break into pieces and the sailors were terrified. They called out in desperation to their gods. And meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship to take a nap. <laughs> he was sound asleep. The captain came to him, like shook him and said, what is this, you're sleeping? Get up, pray to your God, maybe your God. will see we're in trouble and rescue us. Then the sailors said to one another, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's cast lots, let's draw straws to identify the culprit on this ship who's responsible for this disaster. So they drew straws and Jonah got the short straw and he told him, okay, it's me, I'm a Hebrew. I worship God, the God of heaven who made sea and who made land. And at that, the men were frightened, really frightened, and said, what on earth have you done? And as Jonah talked, the sailors realized that he was running away from God. Jonah said, just throw me overboard. Throw me into the sea, and then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me, and you'll get rid of the storm. But no, the men tried rowing back to shore. They did everything they could not throw Jonah over, but they made no headway. And the storm only got worse and worse, wild and raging. So eventually they took Jonah and threw him over. And immediately, like it was crazy, and all of a sudden, (gasps) calm. Immediately the sea was quieted down and the sailors were impressed. No longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. And they worshiped God, offered sacrifices, made vows. And then God assigned a huge fish, To swallow Jonah, Jonah was in the fish's belly for three days and three nights. Now, what an incredible set of circumstances here. So far, we have seen the definition and deception of purpose. We have seen the choice and the cost of purpose. I think this last passage right here shows us this misfortune and the mercy of purpose. And Jonah discovered what the misfortune of purpose was, didn't he? The misfortune is this, our lives will self-destruct when we run from it. Now, God may not have sent a storm to sink your ship yet. He may not ever, but some of you, like if you were honest in your quiet moments, some of you feel like your life is self-destructing. Some of you feel like you're not living, you're just dying slowly. It's because you're living off purpose. Okay, so back to our thing here, okay? You guys ready for this? What is this? That's right, it's a toaster. You get it plugged in here. And uh, for what reason does this toaster exist again? To toast. Now let's say we plug this toaster in and all of a sudden it came to life. And this toaster decided, you know what? Um, I don't wanna, that's not my purpose anymore. I don't wanna toast bread. Don't care what my maker made me for. Instead, I, want, I wanna cook raw meat. So what I wanna do. I've actually tried this before. I've put like frozen hamburger patties into a toaster, and okay? And um, let me go ahead and tell you, what happens when you put, what happens when that happens? Okay, here's what's gonna happen. Your toaster is not going to operate at its full potential because it was not created to toast raw meat. It might warm it up a little bit, but it's still gonna be moving when you bring it out. Now check this out, check this out. No wonder, no wonder some of you feel like your lives are operating at full potential, or uh, excuse me, half potential. No wonder some of you are like, there has to be more than this. It's because you're a toaster trying to cook burgers. Well, let me take this one step further. Okay. Um, what if this toaster said, ah, forget about the whole burger thing. Um, I want to become a water filtration system. What do you think would happen then? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am think I have a death, death wish. No, some of y'all know what would happen then, right? Though? That's why you're laughing. That's why you freaked. Somebody, I think somebody cussed over here. Okay, they need prayer afterwards. It's your free. like Because you know, if I poured water in this thing, it would self-destruct and it would take down with it Anyone in the vicinity of it. And no wonder. No wonder some of your lives are short-circuiting. And you're taking down all the relationships that are close. It's because you're a toaster trying to filter water. No wonder you're self-destructing. Now, if that's you today, I have good news, though. An invitation for you, if you will. While there is great misfortune and running away from purpose, there is mercy in purpose as well. And Jonah discovered that. See, the mercy of purpose is that there's always a second chance for those who surrender. And as the storm whipped up and the waves started crashing and Jonah's life was self-destructing and all of his shipmates were about to die, Jonah gave God an inch. That's all he gave him. Reluctantly, he surrendered and threw himself off of the boat. And quite literally, he sunk to rock bottom, but it was at rock bottom that he found mercy. It was at rock bottom when he gave God an inch that God sent a vessel of mercy to swallow him up and carry him for miles upon miles upon miles. And that is what is available to you if you just give God an inch if you just give God an inch today. So quick review, here's what we've learned today. We've learned the definition and deception of purpose. It's the reason for which you exist and it's gotta be about something bigger than yourself. We've learned the choice of purpose, you have it, and the cost of purpose, it's everything. We've learned the the misfortune of purpose. Your life will self-destruct if you're off it and the mercy of purpose, you can have a second chance if you want it. And so I wanna invite you today into that second chance. Let me ask you, are are you ready? Will you, can you give your life to something bigger than yourself that isn't about yourself? I hope you can. See, here's the reality of life. I heard a pastor say it like this once. You can go to the last slide. He said, in the end, what you live for is what what you're left with. So if you live for love of others, you'll be left with the love of others. And if you live for the love of God, you'll be left with the love of God. But if you live for anything else, well, you can put two and two together. Now fortunately, Jonah surrendered. The fish swallowed him. And you tell me, what happens next to Jonah? Where does the fish take him? Does he survive it? Where does the fish spit him out? And now that he has surrendered to God's purposes, well, what came next for Jonah? Interesting question. And it's a fascinating story. But for the rest of that story, you're gonna have to come back next week as we continue into part two of our series on Jonah. Let me pray for you guys right now. God, reveal to all of us very clearly what your specific will is for our lives. But in the meantime, if you don't, remind us of what your common will is for all and give us a courage to sell everything. The kingdom of God is like, it's like finding a treasure in a field and then you sell everything to buy the field, right? you sell everything. Make us ready and willing to sell everything. Graft us into this kingdom that is so much bigger than ourselves. We thank you for Jesus and the opportunity that he gives us to come in. And we ask for hearts of surrender daily as we do everything we can to come in. Hey again, thanks for joining us online today. You'll see links in the notes or the comments section to be able to let us know who you are if you're new or around here and to give generously online if you call Whitewater home. Thanks for joining us, we'll see you next time.